I mean, depression and sadness is a constant theme. And I think more in Jay than Shaggy stuff, I would think. Mm. Yeah, you know? I would agree with that, totally. And But Shaggy does write about it well, and it's like, you know Jay's really been suffering with this stuff. Yo, it's Hatchet Chat with Lurs and Snacks. Your juggalo homies talking hatchet tracks. There's hatchet beats and hatchet raps. The whole catalog's packed full of classic gems, and we talk about them all on, on Hatchet, hatchet Chat. Chat. Whoop, whoop. It's been a minute. I shouldn't have left you without a hatchet chat to rep to. Okay, that's what's up. What's, what's up, Snacks? Not too much, man. <laughs> Feeling good. New Violent J album. Very special, very cool album. Bloody Sunday, of course. It was kind of a surprise when it was first announced. And, you know, we'll talk about all that. And then, boom, it's here. And it's incredibly dark. I think that adds to the surprise element. So I've been doing good, just bumping, bumping that like crazy. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. So it was announced uh, in, at their Bloody Sunday doubleheader show uh, October 30th last year. So yep. the night before, gosh, his girlfriend passed away of the overdose, which was, right? Which yeah, was, Laney. Well, I think allegedly. it was actually Wicked on the, oh, okay. yeah, the 31st, man, which is insane, dude. And and I don't know how much really of tragic. this album. Very tragic. and. I don't know how much, you know, rest in peace, Laney, of course, rest in Shangri-La, was a huge hit to the juggalo world and all the other people who knew and loved her, family, friends, the makeup, special effects world. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much of this album was recorded before or after that, but, uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, darkness and, and grief he was feeling may have worked itself in to this album because it is definitely, in some ways, I find it more morbid than hell's pit man it's been a it's been a rough time in, in some ways in the the juggalo universe right now yeah it's a dark album and i was thinking about that and i was like gosh if it's a stuff is about her it, he would have recorded really quickly i mean depression and sadness is a constant theme and i think more in jay than shaggy stuff i would think mm, yeah you know? i would agree with that totally and but shaggy does write about it well and it's like you know jay's really been suffering with this stuff and like you were telling me how people got a single of the harrowing time um at hallowicked or on the 30th right wait so there are two shows there was bloody sunday and then there was hallowicked back to back yep that's yeah. right and, and so it's and it's kind of uh, it makes it a little confusing with the the single rollout there but you're right uh well harrowing time was the bloody sunday single release and that was when juggalos were surprised because on that single it said black friday at the time this was supposed to come out for black friday and then the next day on hallow wicked we got another surprise because the hallow wicked single giveaway was another track off of this album so it's been teased and so people I, I remember seeing on Reddit and some people were like, oh, it's not going to come out. And then it did. You texted me and were like, wow, we got to get this episode together quickly because like uh, these days we've been we do hatchet, ha hatchet chat as much as we can. We've been having the podcast come out on the podcast platforms. But like when something new drops, we're like, let's go. Let's talk about it. So it's, no it's cool. Um, yeah. So the single, the single, some good P-U-S-S-Y and uh, Clown Blood came out <laughs> leading up to the re release. Um, That's right. But it has some good production. Let's talk about the people who produce this, and we'll talk about the album itself. 
Totally, man. Super cool. Uh, you know, I know you were texting me upon first listen through, like, man, who's producing these beats at the time? I didn't know. I was waiting for someone to get their hands on the physical edition to get it. But luckily enough, they actually got all the credits on the streaming services when you view oh. the credits on Spotify or YouTube Music. So I went straight for the source for this. And, uh, you know, most of the tracks are produced by Kuma. Uh, Devro got some beats on there. Shaggy the Airhead got a beat. Mikey Ooh. Clark got a beat on there. Ooh. And Violent J himself did a beat. So uh, I thought Ooh. that was a cool combo. Despite having all those producers, it definitely has a uniform sound, which is uh, super cool. I was thinking about how, like, if you were to try to grab the average person off the street and pitch this record to them, you'd be like, have you heard of ICP? They'd be like, yeah, I guess. And you'd be like, well, check it out. The lead singer, he's 50 now. What? And he wrote a record with trap beats about how he's sad. What? And, and, and the songs are all five minutes long. What? And, oh, but hold on, hold on, hold on. The last song is like an 80s rock song about him relating to intergender sexuality in a strange way. And, and it's just really different. Most people will be like, I'm not trying to talk to you. I don't want to hear this. But it's like the whole concept works great. And it's so cool that like you can be 50 and drop a banger like this. And like the Juggalos, I feel like love it. The response has been good as far as I can tell. But like if you try to pitch this to like a, a, someone who likes pop music, they'd be they'd ask for a restraining order, I guess. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> totally, dude. It definitely is a hard sell to a non-Juggalo. It's dark and it, it like you said man it, it it gets weird in in a wonderful way very experimental musically and you know just the topics and things like that and as you mentioned to your point most of the songs are like quite long and they have like long kind of codas and stuff and just i yeah. i think um it's cool. ICP do what they want when it comes to songs and song structures anyway, but I just thought it was cool for Violent J to while out, you know, with this record. Yeah, and it's interesting how, let's talk about the cover. Like, someone posted on Reddit that, like, I don't know if you noticed, he's in the top left corner. You can see yeah, that. Did dude. you see that? I didn't yeah. notice it right away, but when I was looking at it while listening, on, like, my second listen through, I was like, oh, my gosh, Violent J, you know? It's like when Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel, and he has God weighing, the, we maybe talk about this, the sins, the good and bad, who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. There's Michelangelo's body is flayed over the bodies with his broken nose, because you knew it was him because his nose is broken. And he's lying amongst the bodies, and it was like his way of signing it. So it made me think of that, because like Jay's sitting in a similar kind of situation. I doubt he's trying to reference the Sistine Chapel art, but it, it is, it has a similarity. We'll, we'll pull it up and show, the jugglers can decide. Totally, dude. I had, I did not know that. That's crazy about the Sistine Chapel artwork, man. That definitely seems like a similarity. Um, and yeah, like it, it just kind of hits home, kind of the um, the morbid themes too, because you know, of course, everyone's dead on that album cover, including Violent J himself. And Violent J kind of imagines himself dying on this record, which is kind of reminiscent of yeah. Hell's Pit. We've talked about because you know, in, in a lot of the songs, ICP's characters die at the end on Hell's Pit. So, uh, yeah, that just hits home how morbid. But it was super cool how they threw him in. I, as, when I noticed Violent J, I was looking. It's like, oh, my gosh, is there anybody else, you know, yeah. that I can recognize? But I didn't recognize anybody else but him. You know, it, it also reminds me of the original Dark Lotus album with the Red Cross. Mm, and it reminds yes. me of the Opaque Brotherhood with the Terracotta Army. How no they're doubt. kind of grouped around like that. I don't know if it was a nod to that stuff. Like, those, th this, we'll talk about this. This record has a lot of specific nods to other projects. Like, totally. 
And, and maybe it's just an aesthetic <coughs> that he's feeling, but I don't know. Another thing I noticed is all the guitars, the timbre and the mix sounds a lot like Slash's guitar on Halls of Illusions. Like, okay, I feel yeah, like they word. channeled that on purpose. I don't know, but that was, that was tight, I thought. This is not his first solo record. Let's quickly go over the, uh, you made a really great list of all the other solo stuff. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, Violent J has put out a couple of solo projects, just like Shaggy Too Dope has. They do that from time to time. Of course, uh, we got Wizard of the Hood EP uh, in July of 2003. Absolute Juggalo classic at uh, Gotche 2008. Uh, they actually, as the ICP seminar giveaway, a Violent J self or untitled solo album was given away. That was later re-released kind of uh, in a more, I guess, uh, you know, tight package with... Um, you know, an alter track list in 2009, April 2009. That was called The Shining. And since then, we haven't gotten a whole lot. We got a tour exclusive EP, the Brother EP uh, for the E&J Tour VIP packages. That tour was cut short, uh, so most of them were just sold online. So wait, and so then, the gatekeeper is The Shining? Yeah, so that, that's what a lot of Juggalos call the Untitled Gathering release, is the Gatekeeper. Uh -huh. That is basically The Shining. The Shining has like an alter track list. I think some of the tracks are remastered and stuff, but it's, they're very similar albums. Okay, and then, and then uh, Brother, and then The Walking Home was Gathering 2021. Yeah, and, and that was kind of what added to the surprise element of this album being released, Bloody Sunday, because Violet J is kind of in the midst of doing The Walking Home series which is a series of six singles one for each day and one for the weekend that tells mm. a story of violent j walking home from work we got the first one in 2021 and we haven't heard anything about them really since the first one came out in 2021 and then boom this one was announced so i'm hoping we still get that flavor later but for now this is definitely a dope uh, album that brings us up to, to present day because that's pretty much the main releases in violent j's solo uh, discography well, it's like it ties into that because it's a day. It's Monday, bloody Sunday. Maybe it's something Saturday, you know, next. I yep. don't know, right? No, that, I didn't even think about that. It is technically a day of the week. So that is interesting. Actually, I don't know if that's a coincidence or what. I never even thought it's about coincidence. that. coincidence. Um, the intro Devereaux produced, he's talking about wanting to die. And he talks about he feels bad for the person having to clean it up, which is like a reference. I don't know. If it's on purpose to the skit from Malenko, you know? Right, yep. It's just Absolutely. dark suicide humor. <laughs> yeah, not, and e yeah. even Suicide Hotline, he says, like, I'm trying to make it easier for them to clean my head splodged. This intro, like, what were your thoughts when you first heard this? Because it's got to be one of the most morbid uh, intros of any, you know, ICP project, right? Well, he's suffering. The character's suffering. He's in pain. And it's all, that's the thing with them. It's, you always know it comes from real. And anyone who's been through, had depression or whatever can kind of like relate to that, like hopelessness. And so, you know, the album sets you up for this like strange journey, whereas like Wizard of the Hood sets you up. You're going to whatever, Juggalo, Munchkin Land. This is, okay, where the heck are we going? I mean, the voice, the vocals on the chorus remind me a little bit of Roadside Ghost. I feel like it's... Right. And the sounds sound like, a, like an old school... Halloween sound effects like what was that that group that they sampled that sued them that they sampled oh, a mirror, uh, mirror? Mid midnight syndicate Mid it sounds like a midnight syndicate like Halloween sound effect tape it's kind of lo-fi I mean it's cool it's a great intro Devereaux is like such a sick producer what he did you is, think man that yeah dude that's it you nailed it that is a good observation it definitely has like that more uh ambient uh you know horror kind of sound effect vibe 
And one thing I noticed that made this song, like, honestly, to me, it, it even kind of hit, like, a more morbid note than Suicide Hotline or, or a lot of stuff from Hell's Pit. Because in the song where Violent J is kind of a... Ma- it's, it seems like he's daydreaming. Because in the song, he doesn't start off dead, right? It seems like he's think- imagining if he committed suicide. And he's imagining what the who would find him and what would happen when they found him. And he even references how, like the people who found him would see um, chimps on YouTube, which made it seem just really personal. We all know Violet wow. J really likes, you know, Bigfoot and apes and monkeys. <laughs> he just loves them, talks about them all the time. So that was like a very personal lyric when it came into this morbid daydream of suicide. And that kind of just almost gives me chills just thinking about it, that when he was writing these lyrics, he was able to... Vi- imagine that so vividly you know what i mean you know it's interesting I, I mean this is not what he was going at but like it touches into this theme of evolution right because like the algorithm on youtube you shoot yourself you take your head out take your head off like as grim as that is youtube's going to keep playing you videos a lot along the lines of what you're watching and that's like the evolution of chimp to man to like ai and that's like such right. a dark a dark dark meta a visualization yeah. of that like of that de-evolution of like whatever you want to call it life totally so, dude that yeah that's a good point too man wow anyway so, bloody sunday so uh we could talk about this one so kuma produced this kuma also did edit the uh cypher that i got to host holler shout out to kuma um dope uh so i don't know if i mentioned this earlier maybe i did we talk about this a lot that a, the- a musical theme that's common in juggalo music is the devil's tritone interval Mm -hmm. right Uh, jamie madrux does it a lot with his doubles the harmonies on this record all play into that like in a really Mm -hmm. creepy way this song does super well but there's a scream in the second verse uh where it's the first time it's before the last verse where the tuning of two things is not the devil's tritone that's like in key with the beat but all the other vocal stuff are disjunctly tuned so it sounds kind of like creepy so i know i just thought musically that was interesting and also like the u2 reference um you know with sunday bloody sunday in the last record the uh all the 90s rock references on um yum yum I no think doubt was, right so that's interesting it's just, it's like a rock reference but what, what are your thoughts on this and i'll tell you some of the lyrics i liked after yeah absolutely man i love it you know definitely um it just keeps the unrelenting morbidity of this album going after the intro. Basically, you know, Bloody Sunday. And I was actually going to ask you, because you know so much historical flavor, like there's so many events when I was looking up the term Bloody Sunday, because I heard it before, that people refer to as Bloody Sunday. Like a lot of times it'll be like, you know, riots or just yeah. intense moments of violence when protests and protests and stuff. And this just seems to me imagining a present day version of that where everybody is just going nuts and committing these horrible acts of evil. It kind of reminds me of Apocalypse off of Missing Link Lost. But like, is there like a Bloody Sunday that you know of that like stands out as the Bloody Sunday or, or not so I'm- much? We could look it up, but the one I think you two is talking about is like a uh, Irish thing against the Irish, right? Okay, in, in, I came across that in one, the seventies. Yeah. That's what I think Word. that was. Yeah, okay. because there's a lot of like the troubles they call it. So totally. I know that what Bruce is Scottish, so maybe there's that Northern UK affiliation, but Ireland yep. is very much like. 
proud not to be part of the UK. Well, it's weird, right? Because gotcha. I played in Belfast and I played in shows in Dublin and like they don't it's not you can't really talk about it. It's kind of inappropriate to talk about. I heard a story about how Immortal Technique went out to Ireland and it was in Belfast, Northern Ireland, talking about fighting the oppressors and stuff. But people yeah. in Belfast, a lot of them feel an allegiance with the UK. So it's like a very touchy thing to talk about. So for them to be politically referencing Ireland, I don't think Jay is. I just think he's liking that, those terms. And then in this song, it's like Groundhog's Day because he wakes up and then it's Sunday again. That's, right. That's so weird and creepy. When Sunday's totally. supposed to be a holy day. And right. One of my favorite lyrics from this is tragedies on tragedies, snakes slither through the holes in your cavities. It's so dark and gross. It's a great compound rhyme. <laughs> no doubt. Super dope with the rhyme schemes. There's uh, the, 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 the uh, woman who kills her husband with a butter knife for sleeping with her brother. Like that's just a really sad, dark story. And then I was thinking about, he, they, he always, we talked about this before, but ICP always uses the word suffocate instead of su suffocate. I was thinking how that's a, a portmanteau, which is like when you combine two words, so suffer and suffocate. And I was like, maybe he's doing that intentionally. Back at it with that word, you know, lyrics. That's, yeah, I just wanted to mention those that stood out to me. <clears throat> Also, like the whole guts on the ceiling reference, that's actually in uh, the end of verse two on this song. And that's a reference to an old ICP song title from Carnival of Carnage. And Violent J has talked about it. I can't remember. I think it was on one of the Patreon uh, streaming events or maybe one of the, when they were doing the ICP network on Twitch. But he had talked about how he had a friend whose dad had committed suicide and he was in their uh, house after it was cleaned up and he had still noticed like remains and residue on the ceiling such a dark morbid thing that made it into a song title in icp's early stuff and kind of um comes back again on this with another reference and also could play into how you know violent j has kind of in his lyrics portrayed what happens when someone finds someone after they had committed suicide very dark stuff and i wonder if it has to do with that event from uh, when he was younger yeah no that's probably 100 percent a reference to that like a lot of these stories are about childhood and like like trying to i don't know make sense of your agency as an mc with like the battle rhymes but they're but how the world can like be crushing and corrupt your dreams too i feel like that's a, a theme under all this we can get more into that but like um, around this point on the record, Trap 3, like I love the production, but I always feel like some of these songs would be cool to have like a live drummer or change up a little bit. Like I like Mike Clark Word. because he'll make the genres change. These all kind of basically for the most part have like a, just a dark trap vibe. And yeah. I was thinking like Clown Blood is dope, dope. But I'm like, oh, that would be that. What would it sound like with a live with some live elements? You know what I mean? Like that was just a thought I had. But I do like this song, and um, I like the guitar. The guitars a lot on this, and I feel like on this song, he's like a Jay does this a lot. He he rides the beat like a trapeze artist. Like he, you think he's gonna fall off, but he always sticks the landing. This song is fun in that he he doesn't ever fall off the beat, but you, you're always like, is he going to right? <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and you know this song is is you know heavy duty in its violence and violent imagery, but compared to track one and two, it almost serves as a relief just for the dark humor that's in there. A little bit more of that carnival clown, you know, uh, vigilanteism in there that just kind of 
brightens the experience up a bit, but but not much. It stays pretty pretty wicked still. Yeah, no, this song is cool. Also, he has there's a verse that's similar where he's bragging about his reproductive organ, which reminds me of the Mickey Avalon song. <laughs> oh, explaining. Yep. Mickey Avalon has that song that was, I think it's in Harold and Kumar or something, some movie where he's like, it's like use all these funny metaphors about why he's proud of his manhood. So it was similar. <laughs> yeah, that that first was hilarious, and it kind of came out of comes out of nowhere, you know, because the first part of the song is just basically him just going crazy, and then it kind of hones in on that theme. I thought that was hilarious. That's what's up. Let's talk about "In the Hole," track four. So this was the B side of "Some Good P," and yep. uh, yeah, dark song about I don't know. This song's like re- reminds me about like you don't want to surround yourself with negative people. Basically, that's one of the vibes I got, but what, I don't know. I don't have much to say about the song except that it's dark and I like it. So, this song though. What do you think? Yeah, man, I, I like it. It's actually one of the ones, and there's a few examples of this on the album that really grew on me as I listened to the album more. Um, and yeah, it just basically, you know, kind of um, talks about people who are, you know, doing wrong in life on the wrong path, which is a, big theme in ICP's music. They're getting you to think about where you're headed in the afterlife. And in the hole is a reference. Basically, it's a euphemism for hell is what it sounds like because he's talking about how the how all these uh, you know evil people will be dragged in the hole for their misdeeds. And, um, you know, Violent J is singing, straight up singing on it. You know, kind yeah. of definitely has more of that experimental flavor. You know, he's letting loose. Uh, and just a, a super interesting song produced by Devereaux again. Uh, you know, all the beats on this are just heavy duty, man. I like when Jay's just experimenting with genre. No doubt. And he does that well, and he just comes with the hard bars. It's like, all right, man, it's this point, it's like he, he's a legend in the game, so he's doing what he wants on his terms. It's like Weird Al doing the tour with his band playing originals without costumes. It's like, these are the things I'm good at. I know you know me for this. You know me for... You know, people know Al for his parodies. People know him for his silly, funny rhymes with Shaggy. But it's like, I'm going to hone in on these two things I've always enjoyed doing. And this record flexes them. And that's why I like this record so much, because it's like he's having fun. And and The Shining and some of his other solo stuff doesn't have that same sort of, uh, to me, this fearless abandonment of, of, of trying to connect with what's what he's done before, but he managed to connect with the past by having interesting lyrical callbacks throughout. You liked Pitch Dark a lot. You said that was in your top three, track five. For sure, man. This one is just another banger, kind of a, you know, feels a bit more upbeat compared to the rest of the album. Like this and Clown Blood kind of stand out as just, you know, heavy duty, wicked shit bangers. Um, And this honestly has, it's just a rap song for the most part. The end kind of switches up a bit, but it kind of has one of the more, classic rap feels to me it, it doesn't have as much of a trap tempo to me and just it's just violent j flexing with all kinds of figurative and literal um lyrics about darkness that's what the whole uh you know all the lyrics are about and he's saying the word you know pitch black uh so much that it's impressive you know that's not easy to do in rap i tried yeah. to do it in a song called happy circle man where you know pretty much every line has the word happy circle in it and it's 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 it exercise in your in your rhyming ability and he does it so well and uh, it's honestly there's a bit of humor in it as well and i think at the end of, of the last verse 
he's talking about all these these black things like spiders and stuff and at the end he says centipedes but he doesn't call them black centipedes i don't know if it, it didn't fit in the rhyme or, or something yeah but then after he says black ones so like he still squeezed in the fact that they were they had to be black centipedes and he does it in a way that was kind of a aware that it didn't make it in the actual lyrics i just thought that was funny well this is this, this is i'm really glad you mentioned because i noticed that line too this is something about like through this album, he's walking the tightrope and he sticks the landing. He's like, boom, and then he hits it, and then it pauses, and then he says something else a little bit, like totally. That's something something I I've been I try to do when I'm writing, like because it kind of helps you set up for the chorus, and it gives you some breathing room. That stood out to me too, which I thought was funny. One of the things in Moby Dick is that the. Of course, that's a typical Lars segue. One of the things in Moby Dick is that the whale's evil is that it's a white whale because most whales are not. And so the whale becomes this canvas onto which we project all of our fears about nature and God and humanity. And that's why it's so haunting to, to Ahab because the whale doesn't care about him. And the fact that <clears throat> he can't project himself onto it makes it makes the metonymy of the whale um, so horrific, right? And that's why it's a man... A, a symbol for manifest destiny and the idea that like mankind really wants to control and dominate the world and we can't. So similar to that, black becomes a metonymy for a lot of things in this song. And I think Jay flips it in a similar poetic way. Um, there's also, there's the questions of cultural identity and hip hop and blackness. And that's kind of like removed from this, which is, which is interesting. Like that's, he doesn't really get into that, which, you know, that's a whole nother part of all this, but like, he talks about the black snow. It made me think of the Black Blizzard cover he did with Julian or whatever. It makes me think of that. He talks about how the color is the lack of color, right? That's like the main thing, which is the lack of goodness, the lack of life, and how, and how that is creepy because it's like the essence is that it's without essence, which I think is right. similar to the, to the, the anti-transcendentalist vibe about Moby Dick. And I don't know. I, and it, I, uh, that's that stuck out to me because that's a theme throughout this record. It's like what's defining of me right now is what's missing right now, and, and what's missing is my humanity. He talks about it's waking up in a fugue state, like forgetting that he killed all these people, which is right. similar throughout this. So you blacking out your memory, you know. Um, and, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, and he talks about he'll shoot out the skies, right? That line yep. it makes me think of the angels falling from hell's pit, totally. shooting up in the sky, and if you and if you fight nature's apathy. Maybe you can have revenge on it, but really you can't. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of thing, notes I wrote about this song, why the song is so powerful and poetic. And then he ends talking about how he's the Duke, reference to the Duke of the Wicked, and that sets up the No Friends track. Kuma did most of these, I guess. He's the most, right? Yeah. Yep, it, for sure. Definitely the, the major chunk of this is done by Kuma. That's what's up. What did you think of No Friends? Another top three for me, honestly. Uh, love this song. It's just basically him singing over a very sparse background track with some guitar. There are some drums that kick in a little bit later, but uh, just very kind of sparse sonically. And Violent J is just singing about how he's totally alone and you know the despair that comes with loneliness and probably uh, you know which is very very sad. 
but it probably has the only actual legitimate optimism offered on the entire album because uh, at the end he realizes that he's not going to give up and his life is worth living and he he mm. does that in a way that's parallel to the choruses earlier and he switches them up to indicate how he's going to keep going and keep searching for friends and stuff so dope man what do you think about it well i will say that i love the production with the bird sounds and I was going for a walk with my headphones, and you know I live in Monterey right now, which is Central California, and they have these crows that hang out by the ocean. They fly around, and it was so weird, dude, because like there was the crows in here, but there are also these crows flying by that were like making the same sound. So I had to like take off my headphones and be like, "What is the track cap?" Because I thought for some reason. Like, I heard it, and I was like, oh, there's a crow. And I looked up, and I saw the crow. And then I looked back, and I heard it again, and the bird wasn't there. And I was like, oh, these are on the track. So that was kind of surreal and weird, like a moment of being one with the song, you know? Yeah, dude, is, that is crazy, man. That's a crazy experience, man. That's I'll, dope. I won't forget. I'll never forget that. And then there's he talks about the um, lines about... Uh, Feeling alone, it reminds me of this song. There ain't no ain't nobody from is that Hell's Pit? Truly alone. What's that? Truly song? alone. Absolutely, definitely which, has parallels to that. Which was a great uh, at the gathering last year was like a really great moment when he did that live. It's awesome. Um, one of the couplets that stuck out to me was does it does it matter if my heart doesn't beat anymore? Does it matter if I don't wait for my sleep anymore? And that reminds me of Hamlet. He talks about. Uh, in to, the, to be or not to be soliloquy, if it's better to commit suicide, he goes, to, is it better to sleep perchance to dream? So like, do we just wait for sleep? Is that what life is? And is life just an inevitable wait for death? I mean, be anymore and sleep anymore? That couplet right. is like, oh, that's well-written, man. That's Shakespearean. <laughs> Absolutely, that's a cool insight. I love that that part too, man. And he's so good with just a few words hitting that home. It's It's great. And it's interesting how beautiful people who are celebrities are often the most alone. Marilyn Monroe, I mean, people who are like famously, you think they have everything, but sometimes you could be on that level, that sublime level where people idealize you that you're not human. So it's like, you think like, how could this guy be lonely? He created his whole subculture. This is like real, you know, like that, that's what makes this relatable. And, and if you think about his life like that. Uh, one other thing, I don't know if you caught this, at 3.39, the chord projection changes, the chord progression changes. It's the same intervals as nothing left. It's the same chords. No way, I didn't notice that. The, it's the A minor, uh, I think it's A minor C, G. Don't quote me on that, but that's the interval. And it goes to that throughout. And that's when he's trying to change his mind about- Cool, okay. I, I think that's just because it's a really good emotional chord progression. But I was like, oh, this is nothing's left. It's tight. Yeah, dude, that's, I'm going to have to go back and, and check that out. That's awesome, man. I did not notice that myself. I thought it was tight. Scatterbrain, too. So this is a, this is a follow-up to uh, what's the, from the song from this Eye of the Storm, which was like one of the dopest songs on Eye of the Storm, Scatterbrain 1, right? Yeah. That's yep. right. Oh, yeah. That's okay, right. you had this, too, in the notes. What did you think of this song? I thought it was cool, man. Uh, Scatterbrain is probably my favorite song off of Eye of the Storm, or at least one of them. Yellow Bus is a classic, too. But uh, So I was just like, as soon as I seen the title, oh my gosh, there's going to be a sequel to it. And it's the same kind of uh, lyrical theme, just like total absurdism, non sequiturs. Main difference, I would say, between the two, this is much more aggressive and hard-hitting uh, than the, the original one. The original one almost has a... 
I, I don't I, w- I don't know if it's like an overly laid back song, but the bass is almost like a major key. It just has a, a, a less aggressive tone than this one. But I thought it was a super cool sequel. How about you? I loved his compound rhyme, mad openly forbidden all across the open mitten. Because they talk about Michigan's the murder mitten. That like is right. great. That's so that's that that's great multisyllabic rhymes. Talks about him and Kurt Cobain doing vodka shots at the Blind Pig, which is this venue in Ann Arbor that most touring bands have played, and one of their claim to fame is that Nirvana played there. And uh, so he's he's connecting with the Michigan history and their connection to underground culture. Because I'm sure, yeah, ICP's definitely played there and a lot of the old psychopathic artists. He attacks a guy, he says he slashed his ass like a flube. But I'm like, wait, flubes are good. Why? But it's like they made him feel like he was dogged out. I don't know. That line stood out. And then he says a snuffaluffin' juffalo, which is a reference to the skit from Madrox from Hound Dogs, where she goes, oh, well, I'm a juffalo or whatever, <laughs> like the fake fan. So it's yeah. like such so many layers of randomness on that. So much, totally. like if you, were, if you were learning English as a second language, this song <laughs> would be like, what, is this English? <laughs> totally agree. Yeah, it's, it's wild how he, can, how he can do that, man. It's nuts. And then he finds the, the pineapple at the bottom of the trash heap and he eats it. It's a similar thing where he, it's flowing and then he ends the verse where it's like, and I, where it's not rhyming and he eats the pineapple. And right. I, I, I was thinking about this. I don't, I don't think this is intentional, but if you go to the East Coast, um, especially on the island of Na- on Nantucket, they put pineapp- symbols of pineapples on their doors as a symbol of hospitality because pineapples oh, okay. were so hard to find and they're tropical. So like if you were a rich captain, it meant that you had rare tropical fruit to give to your guests so it was a sign of hospitality so jay's going through the garbage and he finds the pineapple and eats it i was like oh he's making his own symbols of hospitality that's just the connection i made but i was like the pineapples to end with that it was like is this intentional or is this just insane you you never know you never know yeah (laughs) okay the stiff mikey clark that's what's up uh this makes you think of Dahmer, like in the documentary where he's trying to keep the body, the, the docudrama, like to make his friends stay with him and he doesn't know what to do with them. Um, it's like a, almost a happy song. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. But I, that, the fact that Mikey Clark produced this and it has that cool keyboard jamming part at the end makes sense. Tell me about it. Tell me what you think about it because it's disturbing. I, I love it, you know. And Violent J and, uh, well, ICP, it was an ICP interview, and there's so many, and I know we always reference interviews that we don't really uh, know exactly what it was, but I know for certain that it, it might have been a written interview, actually, like in a, in a uh, web, like Rolling Stone or something. Violent J talks about how when you've been doing songs for so long, it's inevitable that you're going to write songs that have overlapping themes. And I think he, it was around when Bang Pow Boom came out, and funny enough, this song is very represent, uh, uh, reminiscent of a Bang Pow Boom song, I Found a Body. And that song used to be compared to I Didn't Mean to Kill Him. They're all songs where, you know, uh, Violet J or, or Shaggy Two Dope are basically trying to hang out with this, this dead body, you know, and especially in this, and I Found a Body, they're trying to, they want it for a friend, which hits home how lonely and messed up in the head they are. And I think. Violent J, I could be reading too much into this, but I think Violent J is actually referencing how this has been a reoccurring theme in their music because in the chorus, I got it wrote, uh, wrote down here, it says, did I make a friend until the very end or did I drop the ball and F and F up again? So uh, to me, it seems like he's referencing how he's kind of told a similar story in the past. What do you think? 
Yeah, or, and Dead Body Man. Like, all, why he right. likes hanging out with them, because they, or, or Cemetery Girl. Yeah, I mean, it's bowling just, balls. There's like, you're right. There's, there's even more than those. Yeah. When you're at, well, I mean, here's the other thing. Going back to the iconography of ICP is Gacy, the, 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 the dude who dressed up like a clown who kills bodies and keeps them under his house. I mean, from the Midwest. I always felt like whether just in a Jungian way, they're connecting to that piece of horrific American mythology, right? So I, I don't know how much of it is intentional, but like it makes me think of that. It's like, of course, if they're insane clowns and there's a crew of them, the posse is going to be largely corpses because it's a reference. You know, I don't know. So that's, yeah. By this time, the album is almost like 40 minutes and like every <laughs> most, you know, I, I don't really listen to full records unless it's by... Shaggy or Jay in 2024 or three. So, so at this point, I'm like kind of like a little bit waiting for something as a departure thematically. And that's when Horrendous <laughs> Ways drops, which I didn't realize right. Jay produced. Right. Yeah. Isn't that wild? That's what YouTube Music and Spotify said anyway. Let's talk about this one. So I was t- texting you about all my analysis of this. This is a story of <laughs> three people who die. And my theory is that they all die because they all have an allegiance to someone or something. Like the first story is this dude, Jeff, who comes home from the Navy to see his brother, Stewie. And uh, uh, Stewie's about to be a father. They go in the caves and Stewie dies. He can't get out. And he's trying to please his brother and relive their memories of kids. And then the second verse is Jamie and Dave. They've, they, they're parents. They both jump in the water. Jamie's worried about going in the water. And Dave's like, it's fine. And it's quicksand. And so Jamie can't get out. So she's trying to prove her love and allegiance and fun to her husband. And then the last one, you were saying it's maybe based on a real story about this risk taper named Pip who's doing these chin-ups on skyscrapers and it's slippery and he falls and dies. But all three of these situations, they're not killed by someone. They're killed by their own hubris and nature having a context, two of which are with water, the, the uh, quicksand and the slippery rain, and then the, the second one being like suffocation of space and gravity. Gravity really is actually the main thing in all three of these, right? And so they totally. all die because of that. And I was thinking about like, does this reflect, why are the first two parents, the last one's not a parent that we know of, they're all trying to please someone and, and do something performative out of love and allegiance. And the question of whether being brave is a positive thing when you can die. But also you don't want to live life scared and not take risks. And it cuts off with the Cuddy Rank sample, the six million ways to, or 10 million, it's a reference to the six million ways to die, choose one, which Dre and Snoop used on, on Deep Cover. The 10 million ways to die, choose one. So it's like a hip reference to that hip hop thing. Yeah, that's my thoughts. I know that's a huge brain dump about it, but talk, let's talk a little bit more about the specific story. No doubt, man. And when you texted me that, that was dope. I felt like I was getting my, as you were listening to it the first time, I was getting my own little personal hatchet chat, uh, which, <laughs> yeah. was, which was fresh. And in regards to the song, like, I remembered when, when I heard the third um, verse, I was like, I know that this is based on a true story because I, I, it's a famous thing that happened. There's a YouTuber called Mr. Ballin, who I know Violent J uh, listens to because he has talked about him on, again, the, the streams that they were doing on either Patreon or Twitch. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he talks about all kinds of paranormal stuff, true crime stuff. And he has a series where it's like... Um, three disturbing pictures and their background stories or three just famous videos and their background stories and one of the ones in the video episode 
is about a guy. He, he, his name wasn't Pip. I think all the names are changed. And I have okay. a wrote uh, wrote down uh, Wu Young Ning, and he was a one of those like free climbers, and he would climb buildings with like no ropes or anything. And I guess he did like crazy parkour stuff. And one time he climbed a building and he was at the top and there's even a video. You don't see him like the aftermath of him falling, but you see him at the top slip and he's trying to get up and he can't. And it's a horrible video and a horrible story. But the way it's described is like, it's so similar that it has to be based on that. I found out from Genius, actually, there was a citation from a guy that's actually, uh, we got a couple of these notes from, and we'll mention it. On Genius, he's called uh, Mushy, uh, hold on there, I got it wrote down. Mushy um, Mustard con- Contributor. Con- contributor, yeah. And he brought up how this, um, the first verse is based on a story of a cave diver named John Edward Jones. I found mm. out Mr. Ballin covered that story. The mm. second one, I don't know if it's a true story or not. But I'm assuming if all the other ones are stories covered by Mr. Ball, and maybe you got the inspiration for this one as well. That's what's up. Yeah. Well, crazy. That song's great. I like how it takes its own. Uh, it's long. It's it takes its own. It, the music evolves. So track ten, something in my room. It reminds me of in my room from Hell's Pit. Talk. Let's talk about talk talk about this verse. This song is basically Violent J. You know, uh, experiencing you know some entity some evil entity what it seems like uh in his room but he's almost welcoming it you know welcoming the darkness which i think fits into the theme of the album produced by Devereaux, very slow and and just macabre uh super cool track that's what's up uh the herder produced by shaggy the airhead fashion designer producer extraordinaire extraordinaire um this has the line where he he goes, uh, they don't call me anything because they're, they're dying, right? And it reminded me of the, uh, I'm so scary, they call me Joey Terrifying. No, you didn't. <laughs> I was lying. Like, it's just the idea of, of playing with the idea of like when something, when you're killed by something, how you personify it and label it doesn't matter. You know, there's like a theme, but making it kind of funny. Um, this, the circus music kind of beat, that's like very ICP. And then at, at, at 227, it, it shifts to like really what I would consider the one non-trap beat on the record, which is like a 90s throwback, where like the placement of the snare kind of d- is that distinction between like, is this like a, is this like a uh, Waka Flocka Flame post-2008 beat? Or is this like pre-Waka Flocka Rick Ross hip hop? Because I feel like there's right. this distinction in, in pop rap that a lot of rappers have to decide, you know? It, that kind of, it's like, is it a 21st century vibe or is it throwback? Totally, and so, yeah. That is the purposeful throwback that goes away from trap vibes, which I liked. I, I like that musical departure a lot. What do you think no about doubt. this song? I agree, man. Super cool. Those change-ups, you know, are, are dope. And, you know, the only beat by uh, Shaggy the Airhead, I know they're doing a merch collab with a bunch of, like, Violent J Bloody Sunday merch as well with uh, Shaggy the Airhead. Super talented dude and producer. Love this song. That's what's up. A harrowing time. So harrow is a biblical word that means to ravage or to spoil. And in Christian theology, this is to describe hell. And so they talk about there's this, um, the Lord is my shepherd lyric repeated over and over again. And um, he talks about with with my eyes wide open, I realize I'm blind. So it's like a lot of like, I was blind, but now now I see from amazing grace, right? A lot of biblical references here. Makes me think of Poe's story, Premature Burial, about the dude who's buried alive. And 
in before the unveiling when he's like jamie madrox wrote about something like this right like what it's like to be buried alive a lot of themes here uh but you have some amazing references that you you notice so i uh, when i first heard this song like i was having a hard time wrapping my head around what uh, what really the lyrics were, were saying and it basically yeah it just seems to be about a dude who i don't know if he either killed himself or committed some ritual you know, basically for, for Satan, he talks about being a sacrifice. The chorus references Satan. And like you said, it almost has that, you know, awakening feel or, or, you know, being crossing over to the other side. But it's actually a bad, it's almost like an inverted because it's like not good where he's going. Because then he's talking about basically describing, you know, total darkness and being in hell. And it's just super airy. One of the, I guess, most explicit satanic references are in the chorus. And uh, when I was going through on Genius, that's when I found out some of these samples and, and connections. Because, again, Mushy Mustard contributor had laid all this stuff out. Because there's actually uh, a couple of samples that a band called Boards of Canada use on their album uh, Geo Gaddy or Geo Gaddy. Don't know mm. if that was Violent J's doing or Straight Up Coincidence or maybe Kuma's doing. But uh, the chorus... You know, the kids talking in the chorus, that's actually from a song called Children and God by Tony Schwartz, which again is sampled on from one source, All Things Depend, by Boards of Canada on that Geo Gotti album. And then the beginning words are also found in The Devils in the Details on that same Boards of Canada album. That doesn't sound like a straight up sample, though. I don't know if it was re-recorded for this song. Totally bizarre i thought but where it's multiple samples i don't think it's a coincidence what do you think about that dude all samples cleared of course <laughs> no, I mean, maybe, no maybe i don't know yeah kuma was like looking at the credits on these boards of canada records and was like oh what's this which i think it's cool right right uh, it's a very hip-hop thing to do go back to yeah. the source i didn't know any totally. of that i know uh, boards of canada are very experimental and and prolific and and, and lionized by indie indie head so yeah yeah this song is cool man i think it's uh at this point you're like all right <laughs> this point the record's real long this song's real long at this point you're like am i going to get through it i hope there's a funny departure song that's going to be shocking and bizarre as some good p by kuma this <laughs> felt like it could have been like recording the same session as the 80s love song uh, no doubt dude i was thinking the same thing when i heard this and uh, I feel like it's Jay talking about the love he was given from a partner, making him feel more lovable, but writing in kind of like a, 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 a strangely gendered way that it's kind of post-gender and it's like, it doesn't matter what, what gender you are, what sex, we're all loved and like true romance makes us feel more loved and yeah, I don't know. The album single art is weird. I don't know. It's just like, you were saying, is he a serial killer? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Strange. I have. It's definitely one of the songs on the album that's the hardest to wrap my head around. I think Violent J sounds great out. Like the music is good and the lyrics are funny, but I do not. I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea what the message of this song is, dude. Because, like you said, it's about like Violent J's singing about a girl he, he finds beautiful, but then he becomes like obsessed with her beauty and wants to have it for himself. Like, I, I don't know, like, if, if it's kind of like a, a Buffalo Bill, like in Silence of the Lambs thing. Or just a crazy, wacky, abstract song. I do not know. Also, another strange uh, 
fact is it is it ends the album so you know that just speaks to violet jake kind of wilding out and doing what he wants on this uh uh release well and that also that this was one of the singles yeah and i mean it's like all right man like keep it moving like good for you let's go like yeah if you're not confused about why violent j made a creative choice it's not a icp record (laughs) that's right that is true that's a good point um so the last seed of Yum Yum, Woe the Weeping Weirdo, drops when? Do we know? It's still up in the air. No, yeah. It was supposed to come out uh, Halloween. It got pushed back. The other two seeds came out on time, you know, and that was a big, big kind of promise anyway to put out those three EPs on that schedule because the EPs have all been fairly long for EPs. So no no uh, official release date as of right now, but it's definitely something to look forward to because technically the Yum Yum era is not finished yet. Holler. And uh, Shaggy's been doing his thing on Twitch, so has Keegan. Um, yeah. I, was, I saw some of the Shaggy clips. It's fun. I like his simple background. He was talking about how they need some space, which is cool. People don't need to read too much into that, though, right? You know, it doesn't mean you're not going to be together as a group. Yeah, and that was kind of announced on the first uh, Shaggy show episode that was solo, because, of course, as a lot of Juggalos know, Shaggy and the Creep, they parted ways. Uh, there seems to be no animosity there. There was mystery on, on why it happened, but if they're not going into details and everything seems okay, then, you know, Hatchet Chat, we don't go into much, like, gossip or drama or speculation. So whatever happened, happened. They seem to be showing each other love and shouting each other out, which is cool. And Keegan is going full blast still on Twitch, which is dope. I mean, his production quality is crazy. Shaggy has been doing these uh, super consistent, awesome Twitch things that are like podcasts man he's still there he's building stuff it's been great there's a lot of streaming flavor and to your point shaggy mentioned you know on the debut episode what's happening with him he just said like there were some people and environment that he had to kind of distance distance himself from temporarily and it could just be doing shows and stuff who knows yeah. you know like the people you're around they're they're older with families whatever it is it's uh, totally his prerogative he says that Things might slow down temporarily, but it ain't going to be uh, permanent and, uh, you know, uh, it's all to the good. It will all be to the good eventually. So I think that it seems like a, a lot of the psychopathic is just doing their own thing right now, regrouping. And there's going to be periods of that through, you know, a 30-plus year career. So we can just look forward to when things are going to be back in full force again. That's what's up. Well, we'll be back keeping you all posted on Hatchet Chat. I'm MC Lars. I'm MC Snacks, y'all. I hope you enjoyed this episode as well as the album Bloody Sunday. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Thanks, y'all.